So let's be very wary the next time a government decides to blame a problem on a public emergency, be it COVID or climate change or terrorism. Welcome to Thunder Off Script, a podcast for lovers of freedom. It's Friday, 1st July 2022. In today's episode, we'll discuss the irresponsible invocation of public health emergencies and the hypocrisy of political leaders hand-wringing over the recent overturning of Roe v. Wade. Don't forget that you can find all of my podcasts and blog posts on the Freedom blog at davidthunder.substack.com. Let's start with reactions to the U.S. Supreme Court's recent reversal of Roe v. Wade. On June 24th, the United States Supreme Court voted 6-3 to to uphold a Mississippi abortion ban after 15 weeks of pregnancy and voted 5-4 to to effectively bring an end to the Roe v. Wade finding that there is a right to abortion implicit in the United States Constitution. Opinion leaders, politicians, women's rights advocates across the world were quick to condemn the ruling and bewail the setback for women's freedom and bodily autonomy. President Joe Biden said, Roe v. Wade, quote, protected a woman's right to choose, her right to make intensely personal decisions with her doctor, free from the interference of politics. Now, with Roe gone, let's be very clear. The health and life of women in this nation are now at risk. Unquote. Prime Minister Jacinda Ardern said, quote, Watching the removal of a woman's fundamental right to make decisions over their own body is incredibly upsetting. Unquote. And finally, President Emmanuel Macron said, quote, I would like to express my solidarity with all those women whose freedoms have today been compromised by the US Supreme Court. Now, it's pretty clear to me that there are two bodies directly affected by abortion, namely that of the mother and that of her child. But let's set aside for now the rights and wrongs of abortion and just focus on the fact that the very same people engaging in public hand-wringing over a loss to women's bodily autonomy, managed to conveniently overlook the value of freedom and bodily autonomy a few months ago when they pushed vaccine mandates and vaccine passports that effectively put an end to the bodily autonomy of citizens across the globe. Where was the hand-wringing over patients' bodily autonomy when people were losing their jobs for saying no to a vaccine? Where was the hand-wringing over bodily autonomy when people were denied access to restaurants, turned away from trains and airports, and held hostage in their own country unless they injected themselves with a state-approved medication? Do political leaders bewailing the loss of abortion rights seriously expect us to take them seriously when they heave and hoe about women losing control over their bodies 
after imposing an involuntary medical experiment on entire populations? Is it possible that they are so blind that they cannot see the glaring inconsistency in bewailing what they perceive as the loss of bodily autonomy to women in anti-abortion jurisdictions, yet going along and even publicly advocating the suspension of the right of informed consent to medical treatment? Okay, that's enough on abortion and vaccines. Let's move on to public health emergencies. The concept of an emergency is less important to me than the way in which it can be leveraged by politicians to ram through dubious policies and laws. What happened over the past two and a half years is that national health emergencies were declared all across the world because of the spread of a virus that overwhelmingly affected the elderly and obese, made relatively little impact on average life expectancy, and had an infection fatality rate under 0.3%. These public health emergencies were used to justify a slew of truly extraordinary and unprecedented measures, including the forced closure of businesses, the involuntary confinement of populations to their homes, the imposition of universal mask mandates in supermarkets, shops, restaurants, schools and universities, the suspension of basic civil rights like the privacy of the home, freedom of association, freedom of religion, access to health services, freedom of speech and informed consent to medication. They were also used to justify the abrogation of parliamentary scrutiny over very far-reaching emergency legislation. As you have probably gathered by now, there was no serious cost-benefit analysis performed to justify these measures, nor has any solid scientific evidence been produced to demonstrate their efficacy. Sweden, which has generally abstained from most of these draconian interventions during most of the pandemic, is one of the countries in Europe with one of the lower excess mortalities despite its aging population. All of this came back on my radar the other day when I saw a headline in the Irish Times dated June 28th that read as follows. Defence forces on standby to aid Dublin airport security in case of Covid outbreak. It felt like Groundhog Day to me. This implicit invocation of a COVID emergency to justify drafting soldiers to do civilian jobs at the airport had all the hallmarks of the public health emergencies we have seen declared and redeclared since March 2020. First, the real problem here is not COVID, but the mismanagement of Dublin Airport and the fact that there has been an embarrassing staff shortage since the airport was brought to a standstill by the closure of borders. So the invocation of a possible COVID outbreak is in reality a decoy to distract our attention away from managerial and governmental incompetence. If soldiers end up manning our airport, it won't be because of a summer outbreak of COVID. It'll be because the Irish government and airport authorities shut down the airport for the best part of two years and let staff go, with no proper plan to get the airport back up and running. Second, this diversionary tactic, blaming COVID rather than managerial and governmental errors, 
is the mark of irresponsible leaders who refuse to own up to their own mistakes. The very same thing happened when the temporary saturation of our hospitals occurred in early 2020. Instead of pointing the finger to the chronic crisis in a healthcare system that had incredibly long waiting lists, staff shortages and inefficient use of resources, government pointed the finger for the failure of our hospitals at COVID-19. Sure, COVID caused an unusual spike in hospitalizations, more intense, at least for a while, than a typical flu season. But the inability of the hospital system to cope adequately with this sort of spike in demand is a deficiency of the hospital system, not something you can blame on a respiratory virus. The bizarre invocation of a COVID emergency two and a half years into the pandemic to justify drafting military personnel to run a civilian airport reminds me of a letter I got from Spain's National Postal Service when they lost a large package of mine a week before Spain declared a national emergency back in March 2020. The Spanish Postal Service blamed the national emergency for the loss of my package and told me they were not liable for the loss, even though the package was actually sent a week before the emergency was declared. Incompetent people and institutions are very adept at blaming emergencies for their chronic failures. So let's be very wary the next time a government decides to blame a problem on a public emergency, be it COVID or climate change or terrorism. It might be that there is a genuine emergency of some sort. But we should always ask ourselves, is the emergency really the root cause of the problem? Or is the problem due to an accumulation of human errors, possibly chronic mismanagement or poor governance, that our public officials would prefer we do not pay attention to? Thanks for listening to Thunder Off Script. Stay tuned for our next episode.